It's good to see everybody jumping in and taking the time to be with us today. I know that KubeCon is going on, and so uh, maybe you're you're taking a little break between KubeCon, or you are just um, taking a little break between work. But we appreciate you coming and sharing this time with us. I'm going to put in the chat right now a quick update in case anyone is not in it you can find us on slack and the slack channel we try to just keep a bit active it's where we can continue the conversation after the fact if you want to talk with dave he is on there dave is with us today he's going to be talking about all kinds of goodness so if you want to join us there the data on kubernetes slack channel i just threw it in the chat you can uh, share your opinions about what you think about the ecosystem right now we love having questions and i think that there are some pretty smart people on there so if you if you have some some topic you want to debate or questions you want to ask it's a great place to ask them because Right now, there's there's people that have probably gone over what you're trying to go over, or it could be something where you can find somebody that wants to work on something that you're trying to go over. So now that that little commercial is out of the way, I think we can go ahead and get started. I am joined today by Dave. Oh, and I have, a, let me just share my screen because I have this that I wasn't even sharing. I think you can see it now. Dave, you should be able to see yourself. Tell me if you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So for all of those that don't know Dave Cook, he is the founder of Gridworks. He is passionate about DevOps and the cutting edge open source technology. And today I'm really excited to be able to sit down and talk with you, Dave, about globally distributed business applications. Uh, I, I know that we've, we've chatted about this before and you have some great war stories that you're going to share with us. And you were one of the first people that told me that, you know, when you were going through trying to put together your current project, you had a lot of moments where it was like you were hitting your head against the wall. And so in this head against the wall moments. I think those are what we need to be talking about more. I, I say this so much, it's like I'm a broken record, but in these little like blogs that you normally see about how to do this or how to hook up this with that, there's a lot of, oh, it's really easy and it's simple, follow this step, then that step. And when you wanna personalize it or customize it in any way and you go off track from the blog, that's where you can really get lost and start hitting your head against the wall so i think that you are a wealth of information on that i'm really excited to talk to you about this stuff but before we start and dive into any of that i'd love to know a little bit about how you got into tech and what that looked like uh hi uh <clears throat> thanks a lot demetrios for uh, for having me on uh yeah well i'm uh, i've been around a long time i've been uh doing tech for <laughs> Uh, over 30 years, but uh, yeah, I got into it, um, you know, basically at a university and um, just really started uh, 
uh, in the, in the, you know, I, I think we built one of the first local area networks at Imperial oil, uh, up in Canada, uh, back in the eighties. And, uh, you know, it just kind of took off from there. Um, just, yeah, did a lot of consulting gigs. Um, saw, uh, used to be a CTO of a brokerage house, went into downtown, uh, downtown onto Bay street in Toronto. Um, probably in the early nineties uh, and worked in the investment banking area there, basically uh, helping them out on tech deals and things like that. Um, but then after that, I formed Gridworks, and uh, we've been just doing managed hosting and helping small businesses kind of get on to new technology. And it's been uh, always an interesting challenge, you know, when new technology rolls along and um, people get interested in it. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's really, uh, uh, I look at it from kind of a, I take kind of a holistic view of it, you know, like uh, I'm really more into the business aspect of new technology and how it can be applied, um, you know, to, to businesses. Um, cause basically that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, if there's no business value there, there really is no reason to, in a lot of cases, there's no reason to pursue it. Um, a lot of tech guys tend to just do the tech because it's cool tech and it's, you know, it's nice to do, um, which I love. That's, that's my gig. Um, but I also try and keep the business in mind, you know, when we do these, these little yeah. ventures. And on that note, uh, can I just stop you real fast? I think there is a big question that lingers in my mind and it's since you've been around for a while, you've seen changes, you've seen evolutions in different, tech as you're saying and how have you bet on which horse that you want to follow and how how has that worked out i imagine you bet on some of the wrong horses sometimes and can you tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah some technologies um just you know didn't quite hit the mark um most of them are pretty self-evident um the internet uh, you know, land WAN type technologies, uh, distributed applications, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, a lot of that technology uh, almost came along by necessity uh, more than anything. Um, so it was kind of a no brainer. Um, some technologies, you know, took, you know, are taking a harder time to kind of like virtual reality was one of them, you know, it just kind of kind of sat there. Um, you know, it's still there. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly where it's going to go, uh, you know, things like that. Um, but most of the technologies that, uh, that we've hooked up on to, um, you know, have, have stayed the course, you know, pretty much. And so you started playing around on Kubernetes a while ago. And yeah. can you talk to us about that evolution and how you came to, first of all, hear about Kubernetes and how you decided to start using it and you said hey this is the horse that i need to be betting on yes um the reason the business reason for kubernetes was uh efficiency and obviously cost savings um my all my clients right now are co-located and that's starting to become very expensive for them um these people still most of the folks there still like to have their stuff in their own bit barn. And that's just 
the way they are and, you know, cause they're running their business off of it and they still have that kind of mindset from the, from the nineties and the, you know, the nineties is, uh, you know, I want to keep my stuff where I can see it. Um, yeah. but, uh, the co-location costs now are starting to get pretty crazy and, um, they're really starting to look for, you know, cheaper ways to do it. Um, the, uh, one of the reasons I went with Kubernetes too at the beginning was to make my life easier, uh, to orchestrate, uh, you know, the containers. Um, I've managed to get all my clients on Kubernetes. Um, but now, so now, now basically we're running Kubernetes in the colos on their own iron. So it's kind of made my life easier, but it really hasn't, there isn't much of an advantage so far for them. Cause I'm basically doing pretty much the same thing as I was doing before. Only it's on Kubernetes. Yeah. And I um, think we may have, I may have jumped a, ske- a step real fast. Uh, maybe it's nice if you can backtrack a little bit and just talk about what you're doing. And I know you're, you're trying to scale Odo. Uh, yeah. And so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, Odoo is, uh, is an ERP system. Um, it's more popular, I think in Europe than it is over in North America. Um, but, uh, my clients, most of my clients, uh, use it and, um, it has a Postgres backend. And right now on Kubernetes, we're basically running, um, everything local, local PV, local path, local everything. So basically every client has their own database and they have their own instance of Postgres uh, running the application. So again, as I mentioned, it's kind of like the way we used to do it, but I'm in the Kubernetes world now, Um, which is a step forward for them, believe it or not. But that's that, you know, it's baby steps, but at least they're going in the right direction. Um, So what my plans are in that area is to actually, what I'd like to do is, have one giant instance of Postgres running, uh, move all the, all these clients, eventually move, transition them to the cloud. And that's, and that's what I'm trying to pitch to them right now. Hmm. So you saw quite a, a bit of migration from wherever they were, whatever they were doing to Kubernetes. And right. you were the proponent for that one. Yes. And that began 2018, uh, time frame, and that's kind of when I hooked up with uh, the Open EBS folks and Evan and things like that, and and kind of got interested in um, you know their technology, um, and it made my life a lot easier as far as you know managing the storage, the store, the whole storage aspect of a of the uh, you know the, the, the equation, and that was great. Uh, that was a real help uh, because at that point I was using um, Ceph mm-hmm. and you know, kind of hacking around with that. And that was, it was tough and, and it was just tricky and just fiddly. So um, when, when I found open EBS, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> so can you give so, us a, a bit of an overview? I mean, I know you're using open EBS, but what else does your production architecture look like? What other um, tools are you using? Yeah. Um, basically the servers are just, um, Vanilla Dell, uh, Dell boxes, standard rack, um, Kubernetes, Rancher, um, OpenEBS, Odoo, and of course, 
Postgres along with it. Um, monitoring, uh, we're using uh, Prometheus. And um, backups, right now backups are the whole backup infrastructure. <laughs> I hate to say this on live air, but it's actually just scripts <laughs> running <laughs> and pushing it to S3. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, Evan. Um, <laughs> but I've got, um, I'm looking really seriously at um, Kubera. Oh, nice. Um, because they have the backup um uh that that was the main thing was the backup uh, ability now that they have and um seriously looking into that right now as the backup solution for uh, for all the postgres and all the data layer cool and how are you using any operators uh no believe it or not yeah yeah cool. just uh right now is just starting just using helm charts and um you know, pretty straightforward. All right. So now that we know what you have, can you give us a bit of insight on what you would want it to be in the future, where you want to take it? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really looking to offer it as more of a SaaS offering. Um, and what I'd like to do is, I think I mentioned to you before that I would, I wish Postgres could run like, like Google Spanner. Yeah. That's a um, great, great quote. But that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, my, my, my dream or my vision is where I'd like to go with this is that uh, one single database instance, you know, like, like, like they have at Google and like they have at, uh, at Amazon with Dynamo and things like that. Um, I would just love to have a, a nice instance of Postgres running uh, clients running, uh, against one database instance that's fully managed and um, you know everything's in one spot um, obviously geo geographic um, location of the database would be preferable too we have clients down in Chile and Ecuador mm. and some in Switzerland and, and Germany um, as well as some in North America so, um, you know, geolocation of the data and the database would be, uh, would also be of paramount, you know, importance to us. And so as you look at that and looking at what we wanted to talk about today, like this globally distributed business applications, how do you feel that will enable uh, what you just said? How will that enable these globally distributed business applications? How would... Um, which the uh if you were saying like if postgres was running like google spanner ah uh, yes yeah yeah i mean we uh i guess that, that's kind of a segue into um i, I i've been um uh, playing around with cockroach db mm -hmm. and um trying to see if there's a, a fit there um because they have um, the SQL engine is built into CockroachDB for Postgres, so they just basically lifted that. And, um, you know, I was hoping there would be a one-to-one -one relationship there. Um, but as far as geos, you know, geographically scaling, like a geo-partitioning uh, Postgres, that's something you'd have to look at. That's something I would have to investigate. Hmm. And... Um, you know, it's going to be hard. Um, there's the stuff with Cockroach too. I've been, uh, I'm starting to find that Odoo has its own um, locking mechanism. So its consistency model is, or its consistency strategy is 
kind of homegrown. And um, of course, cockroach has its own consistency model. And um, I, I, I foresee that there's probably going to be some issues there hmm. uh, going forward with cockroach. So I think we're probably going to remain with Postgres and just see how far you can push it, you know, just see, um, <laughs> you know, what, what, what's out there for it and, um, and really push, push the boundaries with it. And when you're looking at Postgres and you're looking at these like downfalls, what, what do you see as something that you wish could be more properly suited to your use case? Yeah. Um, well, um, geo partitioning. Um, yeah, again with that, that makes sense. Yeah. That seems to be the, one of the things, uh, you need to have the data consistent consistency seems like when you're talking about the acid, the whole acid thing in databases, the consistency part is basically mind boggling. I mean, everybody's got a, a take on it. I mean, we could spend, you know, three or four podcasts just on that. And the nomenclature and, and the, the thinking around it is just your head will explode after a while with it. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, but uh, I know, you know, Google has taken 10 years with Spanner. You know I mean? It's, it's, not, it's not an easy equation to solve. Um, but if that's something that, uh, you know, we could sync up the data and, uh, you know, and keep it consistent across uh, geopartitions, that would be. You know that's one thing, hmm. um, but um, yeah, basically just getting Postgres to, um, you know, to kind of think along those lines. Uh, you know, getting it into the Spanner-like, yeah, basically. And I know Yugabyte and um, and Cockroach—they're they're attempting to do that, um, and that's why they've taken the Postgres. A query engine and just uh, you know mapped it onto what they're doing, and then kind of taking it to the next level. So, um, but there are some, you know, the thing is, is that uh, you know the unfortunately it's I wish it was just a lift and replace, you know, into into a new database back end, but it isn't. Um, there's always some gotchas. They don't support every single little piece, and Odoo is very database dependent. It does everything in the database, hmm. so it does a lot of fancy stuff and. Uh, I don't think uh, cockroach supports it all yet. So I think in the short term or the near term, I would probably have to look at Postgres in the cloud. Um, probably have to go uh, with some sort of Postgres managed, uh, like for today, probably some sort of Postgres managed service. And kind of along those same lines, this trend towards new SQL databases and, you know, Postgres, MariaDB, et cetera. Do you feel like they'll get smarter on Kubernetes eventually? Or do you think? I yeah, I think they'd have to, you know. Um, I think they have to because uh, I, I, that's one of the horses I'm betting on, actually, um, is new SQL and, um, you know, trying to uh, trying to do that in the cloud because I think data is, to, to be honest with you, I think data is a mess, <laughs> you know, yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, 
you know, like uh, people trying to go to uh, getting their database, you know, from where it is today, 20 year old database, putting it in the cloud. I don't think you can do it to tell you the truth, or it's going to be very difficult to do. Um, I think you have to keep your current SLAs like somebody mentioned in the, uh, in the, in the Slack, um, you know, and just, you're going to have to build new, either build, build from scratch or emulate what you have now in the cloud. Um, but, um, you know, a hundred percent rip and replace. There's just no way. I don't think you can, hmm. you can do it in a lot of cases. So, so then with that Postgres getting smarter kind of idea, mm -hmm. is it something that you feel is close to happening? Is there, does there need to be a revolution? Are you <laughs> going to lead the charge? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess it depends on the use case. Um, you know, if, if you're a small shop and you really don't need all that kind of stuff and, you know, you probably just stay with the, you know, the way it is now. Um, but I think if the cloud and if people are going to actually adopt the cloud in a real serious way, I think they, they got to get the data straight. Um, because it's just right now it's again all over the place. You can see why you can see why Google didn't really tackle it day one with Kubernetes. Mm -hmm. As we've mentioned and a few of the folks in previous podcasts have mentioned, you know, data is kind of a bit of a a black art up there right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, everybody's kind of doing it their own way. Uh, if there was kind of a nice way to just plunk a database you know, right in there along with your control plane and everything else. Um, you know, that would be, you know, that's Nirvana there. And of course, Google's done it with Spanner. And, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a wide open gap there for somebody to come along and fill it. You know, it may not be Postgres. It may be something else. You never know. Yeah, it reminds me of when we talked before and you mentioned, why hasn't anybody figured out some machine learning that can make this easier. I, yeah. I think it was something along those lines, right? Do you remember what yeah. you were saying? Yeah. One of those, um, well, it's funny. I remember back in the Oracle days, we used Oracle and Sybase on the trading floors. And, um, you know, you'd buy, you'd spend half a million dollars on an Oracle license. And then, but then you'd spend another half a million bucks on an, a consultant to come in and actually tune it to make it work. You know, it's like buying your car and then having your mechanic come down and actually make it work. But um, yeah, that's great. That's classic. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, I wish there was uh, it, to get back to your question, what we were talking about. Um, it's just that it seems like every time you start something or you build something, I guess that's why DevOps is so popular. Um, you know, maybe I'm putting myself out of a job, but the thing is, is that a lot of this stuff can be done already you know like it seems like every time you go to a new technology or you go to install something it's always like it's the first time you've done it and it just gets monotonous after a while and i know everybody's tried it with ansible playbooks and you know all the various puppets and everything out there to do it and um you know it's just uh i don't know i i think as regarding the machine learning portion of it yeah i wish there was something in you know, rancher that could just back up. You just want to back up some, back it up. Um, you know, if 
Uh, you, you install some new technology. Like if you install Odoo, if you look at Odoo and Postgres, especially Postgres HA Helm chart, and look at the number of parameters that are in the list hmm. in that Helm chart to add to this. And most of them are cookie cutter. You know, they could just, if, if it was just possible to go out and smell out your environment, you know, with what you've got out there, your pods, they look at your CPU, blah, 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 and just give you some sane defaults just to get you going. Because those, uh, uh, you know, that whole thing there to get you going is just, uh, it's just a lot of people just turn away from it. Yeah. It's really hard. That's what, it's interesting you're saying that. I see Dean threw in the chat that, you know, the problem with data is it's basically it's, you have to customize to it and it's every use case is different. And mm-hmm. so that is the idea here with some kind of, uh, some kind of machine learning tool that would go and basically understand how it needs to be customized. And I think there's definitely a, that would be ideal. I don't know of any tool that does that right now, but if anyone right. out there wants to, to build it, <laughs> let us know if you do. Uh, but I've got, I've got another question in the chat from, mm-hmm. from Kieran and <laughs> Conrad's asking, how much would you be willing to pay for such an ML tool? <laughs> Conrad, <laughs> we'll talk afterwards, Conrad. <laughs> it's like he's uh, got a gig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Conrad, we will hire you. Don't worry. We'll, let's chat afterwards. Yeah, I'll see absolutely. You in Slack. <laughs> yeah, I'm, but, uh, uh, <laughs> that's good. But Kieran was asking, you know, have you come across a scenario where you had to scale up your data, data platform as the customer was on a growth path? And have they ever come back with requests to scale down gradually, probably as they migrate or they may have scaled down post campaign or an event yeah how about losing the customer oh that that actually happened once too um i scaled them right back to you know nothing but um yeah there's uh <clears throat> that's because of covid that's a totally other story but um yeah there has been people where um i had one client who uh, was a friend of mine. He used to be uh, actually my roommate in university. He owns a uh, uh, fulfillment company uh, called Northland in um, in Toronto, and uh, he uh, he grew. Um, they they grew quite a bit, and um, I helped him out getting his uh, getting his database increased. You know, kind of on the fly. Um, but it was one of those things. We were hosted in a co-location facility, and really. Um, it was just a matter of throwing more gear at it. Um, and then if you want to scale down, it's gear out, you know, like, I mean, it's that simple. Um, I wish it was a lot easier to do, but it's not, um, that that's kind of the solution that we found. I think if we were in the cloud, uh, and we ran into that scenario, uh, you know, scaling up is easy. Scaling down is still a little trickier. And it's interesting you mentioned that because last week when we had Ren on here, she talked about how it's very rare that you'll get a scenario where you need to downsize your data. Yeah. Uh, she was saying, you know, I, for her in every use case that she's had, it's always been, we need more data storage. 
Wait, right. because data doesn't just like normally you don't just say okay actually no now we we need less but i like that story that you're you're talking about because it gives the other side of the coin and it yeah. shows that it is possible uh, yeah so i'm seeing another question in here in the chat from kieran who's asking about the uh onboarding of your customers onto kubernetes as a data platform and how mm -hmm. that looked and then are they more receptive now than they were two or three years ago? Or what is the idea of Kubernetes and data and all that look like still these days? Um, it looks a lot clearer. It looks, uh, they're, they're seeing the advantages of it now. Um, I noticed that um, most clients are reading more about it now. Uh, it seems to be in the news a little bit more. When I first introduced it to folks, um, they thought it was just, a, you know, the next kind of orchestration tool, big whoop. Um, then it turned out to be the orchestration tool and they go, and now you get a, you look like a hero. And, um, so they like it. Um, they really like the fact that they're on that path and, um, uh, and that we chose the right horse. Um, they're very, very happy about that. Um, and they're excited about the fact of where it can go. Um, we're, as I say, we're running into the data challenges right now. Um, but the thing is, is I'm getting buy-in from the C-level execs a lot more now. Um, the techs like it. Some of the guys have their own techs on site. Um, the techs are starting to warm up to it. They like it. It's making their life a lot easier. So, Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's looking good. Yeah, and the more that it gets, the more popular it gets, and the more that Kubernetes eats up the world, I think the more people are going to be receptive to it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's basically won the uh, orchestration wars. Um, now it'll probably be the uh, the management Kubernetes management wars next. <laughs> who's going to manage all this stuff? Yeah, but, yeah, um, completely. You know, that'll probably probably be the next phase. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so uh, I'm wondering. As far as Odoo goes, are you planning on running it on top of Kubernetes via operators, or how does that look right now? Um, there aren't too many operators out, out for it right now. Um, I'm probably, yeah, I, I probably will go the operator route with it. Um, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at uh, some operator options right now for, for Odoo and managing it because we're getting to the point now where it's, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do with the operators that you can't do with just a standard Helm chart. And, yeah. Uh, so we've kind of gone from out of our diapers and now we're into, you know, big boy pants, right? <laughs> Stupid metaphor, but anyways, you know. Yeah. Well, that was, that was kind of where the question was coming from. Like if you want to scale, and you want to go yes. bigger, how, yeah. how do you plan on doing that? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely um, a Kubernetes operator. I've, I've looked at, um, you know, I've looked at Crunchy, um, and there's a few others out there that, um, you know, that I think were, uh, they're viable. I mean, they all work, and uh, they're all, all pretty good. Um, you can get operator to death, but... Um, we're slowly kind of leaning towards um, 
we're leaning towards Kubera. We're leaning towards Kubernetes operators, like like an Odoo operator. We're actually looking at building an Odoo operator, mm. and um, and then we want to, um, you know, obviously uh, Postgres, you know, some sort of Postgres operator. Yeah, and uh, oh, I missed I missed a question from from Kieran earlier. He was asking, what are Few, what are some of the advantages that are resonating with customers when you're talking about doing data on Kubernetes? Um, cloud, efficiencies, and money. <laughs> um, that's what it's boiling down to. Last month, the Colo facility just up, uh, um, increased the power to, to the cabinets by $2 an amp. Okay. And it's just, it's wiping people out. There's guys moving there, moving out. Um, they just can't handle it anymore. It's a great, it's a great facility, but uh, it's very expensive. The power just keeps going up and up and up. And there, and there so their OPEX costs, their fixed OPEX costs now are just kind of going through the roof. And there, there's a real business reason to move, not just you know a bunch of techs going, you know, cloud's cool. And um, so yeah, I'm in the middle of scrambling. Um, I'm looking for. Um, uh, a very not not like a short term solution. I need a proof of concept to to go to these guys with, to say this is the future or this is what I think the future could look like for you guys, and cost benefit the whole nine yards, um, and really show them uh, what what's going to happen. And then I think that will really hit home the fact of the cloud for them if they can if they see it on their bottom line. It's just a no brainer after that. It all boils down to money. Yeah. Yeah. And Dean is asking about hybrid and if you've seen a lot of that and, um, and also saying, so as more companies work with hybrid multi-cloud strategies, companies seem to be hitting increased data transfer costs. Have clients right. seen this as well? Yes. Yes. I have one client who has gone that route. And basically what it's done is almost doubled their costs in, in, in data transfer. Yeah. Ouch. Yes. It's, um, I think if you're going to do it, you, you got to rip the bandaid. You got to go from colo straight to cloud, you know, um, what, what I found, what I found when you start getting into, um, hybrid is you stay in hybrid you don't really kind of get out of it, you know, and you go, well, you know, I'm kind of there. Well, everything's okay. It's like another platform. And then you've introduced this whole other layer. And I mean, the folks that I know are still in hybrid. They're still hybrid. They're still trying to get to the cloud. And um, it's just, it just doesn't seem agile enough for them to, to just break away and go and go for it. Seems to be a bit of a boat anchor for them. And now I'm saying this is just our my particular use, you know, scenario in mind. I'm not saying it's like that across the board. Um, but it's just introduced kind of another layer of complexity for them. Yeah. Um, I get that feeling. And um, so the, uh, the idea is to get them to the cloud as quickly as possible. So right now they're running, they're running some Odoo's uh, um, locally, the Colo, they think they were going to save some money by just going hybrid and then up to the cloud. And, uh, nope. It's never that easy. Yeah. 
No, uh, no, they get the data. There's always the data. It's always the network. It's always the database. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you can't discard that ever. Yeah, so, never. So I know that you have a lot of war stories that you can share with us. Are there any off the top of your head that you you could like give us divulge and let us know like some just some painful moments so that we don't repeat <laughs> the same mistakes? Oh, well, there was early on when I was pitching Kubernetes to the, to some of these guys, um, you know, I'm just telling them it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You can do this, you can do that. Look at this. I can grab some block storage and I can, you know, I can make disks and attach them and you don't have to worry about any of that. It's all done for you. And, um, but then again, I went, I went ahead and I started, I wanted to use C store, you know, from, from open EBS there. And I forgot about wiping the disc and in order to use the raw, the raw disc storage, just a little thing like that. I couldn't find it at the time because it, uh, when, when everything was starting out, like, uh, open EBS was starting out and there's a few of us, you know, we're all just kind of back and forth with it. There wasn't really any docs on it yet. And uh, of course, I've got. I'm in the middle of one of these. I'm 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 in the middle of a conference showing these folks how great it is, oh. and I uh, to do it, and I couldn't do it. And as I say, it seems doesn't seem like much when you're sitting at home on the weekend, but when you're live with a bunch of clients sitting there staring at you trying to do it, yeah. I was sweating bullets, man. It was brutal. I was just <laughs> I didn't know what to do. You know, time for a fart joke. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, just, oh God, it was awful. So then uh, I feel your pain and yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that. You, We always say, you know, you got to pray to the demo gods. Yeah. They weren't on your side that day. No, they weren't because I'd done it before already and then I forgot all about it when I went to do it live. Mm. And it's just, oh. But yeah, just going back into, I mean, going back into antiquity, uh, we maxed out a, um, maxed out an exchange server database uh, with the Outlook and Exchange back in 2000. And a whole, a whole trading floor gone, a whole trading, a whole brokerage house emails gone for 72 hours. What? Yeah. It was crazy. The, uh, you know, back in the day, even before uh, this was, an, it, this was when exchange and, and outlook was run on the access database. They didn't uh, move it to SQL, SQL server. So we maxed it out and um, we had like two, three terabytes back then. That was like, you know, a billion planets. And uh, so we called Microsoft, their level tech support engineers got them on the line and the engineer says, we've never seen this before. And uh, I said, really? <laughs> well, that's not good. So yeah, 72 hours, no sleep, getting the thing back up and running. Just crazy. Ouch. No. Yeah, you want to you, you want to see angry users? Like there's you, there's angry users, and then there's traders who can't get their email angry, and those guys are insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine you stayed in your little office. Or you stayed away from the office just altogether. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. It was. Well, I don't want to think about it. It's like PTSD. I got PTSD over it. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you talk to us a bit more about 
this idea of um, cost savings that you've seen when clients come over to Kubernetes and the other side of that coin on like, how do you, how do you convince them of the ROI? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, they're seeing less bills from me um, because it's a lot easier for me to, to manage the stuff, you know, manage everything. Like I was taking, I mean, for example, I would be maybe five or six trips down to the DC every one or once or twice a week. And, you know, I'd be lucky if I go down there once, once a month, um, you know, to look at things. So from an infrastructure standpoint, uh, and just manageability and efficiencies there that, that, that was a win, uh, for me and them. Um, so they saw that. And, um, so that was one of the efficiencies too, is just the fact that, um, is it, I guess the future of it. Uh, and, and the possibilities of it. Like we're just using a very minute portion of uh, Kubernetes capabilities. And um, so, and really that's about as much as I could do with these folks without getting them too confused. Um, but now they're starting to see into that a little bit more. Like what, mm -hmm. what is it that confuses them? I think it's the, um, just the enormity of it. Um, they don't understand they didn't at first understand the efficiencies you could get out of container, you know, orchestrating containers. They just, that just went over their head. They just said, you know, we, what's that? Um, you know, and then, and then of course the initial question is how's it, what's the, what's the difference between what we're doing today and you know, what we're going to be doing in the future. And uh, so I really sold them on efficiencies and price. And, and that's basically, that 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 seems to be the the drum that you beat every usually every time you go in, at least the sea level guys. And um, and they understand that. And so you haven't had any moments where it ended up costing a lot more on Kubernetes. Um, there's one strange issue uh i guess it would be a bit of a war story we're in the middle of now and that is um yeah we're getting timeouts and um strange uh uh some timeouts and some strange things happening with one server cluster and then the thing is is that if i move that exact same configuration up to gce or eight or amazon it goes away but when i run it on their iron i get it and it's really funny you know the um the crash loops in the back of the back offs, um, you know, on, on, in pods and things like that. And the exact same resources, exact same everything. Um, and if I move and I've, and I've done it, I've moved it up to, uh, up to Google and works fine. Then I started thinking to myself, is there a different Kubernetes out in the, out in the wild? than there is at Google, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking to myself and then I say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to create some giant conspiracy right out there. <laughs> But, um, and it's probably just me. So anyways, I got rid of it by just throwing more hardware at it. And uh, so it must have been a resource issue, but uh, just a very mysterious thing happened then. Mm. And so that ended up costing more money for the client. And that was a little bit more money, yeah. Yeah, in that scenario, we had to buy, we had to buy some more iron. Um, yeah. But it only happens, it only happened with this one client and they're not a super huge client. Like they're not a lot of, a lot of volume. It's just one of those mysteries 
um, that I haven't been able to solve. Yeah, it's, it's out there. That is a, a weird one. So yeah, it's odd. And, you know, the thing is, is that I had a hard time tracking it down. I mean, you know, you look at the logs, the logs don't give you much Kubernetes. And when you get those mysterious crash back off loops, all of a sudden it's like, you know, they're hard to solve sometimes, you know, uh, resource issues, things like that. You know, those gnarly little mysterious things. Hmm. But um, anyways, yeah, more gear. So talk to us a I'm little sure. bit. Go ahead. About, like uh, the architecture of Odoo itself and like how monolithic that is. Yeah, um, it's uh, a Python application. Um, and it runs, uh, as I said, against, against uh, Postgres. And uh, it has uh, workers and it gets around, you know, it multi-threads itself. It gets around, you know, the linear uh, processing of, uh, of Python. So it, it has wor uh, like a wor worker concept. It has a threading model. Um, so those kind of things, you know, they don't necessarily, aren't necessarily as important um, when you get to the cloud, you know, for the pods, the ephemeral nature of a pod and things like that, you know, you, tr you, you handle that really because um, workers are non-existent in, in the pods. We, we turn that off. Uh, for Odoo, we don't need we don't need it. Um, but uh, yeah, the one the one big uh, hiccup that I've run into is basically connection pooling to the database. Um, that Odoo is very expensive when it connects to a database because it does a lot of things, mm. and ten meg per connection. So um, connection pooling is very important uh, if I was to go to the cloud. Um, you know, we'd have to use PG pool or, um, you know, something along those lines to uh, pool connections to the database. And, um, Odoo has, um, uh, basically a thing that for long running queries, it handles that kind of thing. So you have to, you have to, you know, handle that in the cloud as well. Now, when you're looking at the differences between running Odoo on prem and on the cloud, are there many things that you're keeping in mind or is it pretty standard? Uh, it's pretty standard. Uh, it, it translates itself fairly well up there. The only, um, the only uh, thing that I have to solve is the uh, everything being local. Um, you know, I've got a local path. I'm using local PVs for the database. Everything's local, local. Um, I can't seem to break out of that running everything as closely as possible to the Odoo instance. Hmm. Um, I've tried running Odoo against uh, managed database services, RDS, on Amazon. Um, it's not bad, but it slows down once it gets gets going. And, um, and yeah, basically, uh, you know, it's got this really odd consistency model that it uses and locking mechanisms that it uses. Uh, to manage consistency, you know, in its own little world um, and trying to scale that out. <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that's going to take it. In fact, the guy that uh, Fabian, the guy that runs Odoo said Odoo won't run in Kubernetes. Oh, really? <laughs> he said it's, it's not advisable. He said it's probably not going to do well. So um, now I don't know whether it's because he, you know, kind of wants folks not to go that route or, uh, 
you know, and compete. Maybe I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a marketing thing, but uh, yeah, he didn't really wreck. He wasn't too high on it, put it that way. And have you thought about changing over to something else? Is there anything else that looks appealing to you? The only closest um, product I could see kind of along in that same vein would be ERP next. Um, and they have their own, um, um, web framework platform called Frappe. It's not, you know, it's not Django or anything like that. They have their own framework. Um, and and that I think, yeah, I think that would probably, because they use G Unicorn and um, they kind of handle the scalability better. And they have both, um, uh, they have, they're compatible with MariaDB and Postgres. So they have two databases they could use. and they're not as reliant on the database as as, uh, as Odoo. Odoo is, is a fairly um, it's it's been around a while and uh, it's 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 pretty mature, but it's kind of got its own way of doing things. And, um, and can so you, scaling might be a bit of an issue. Can you give us just uh, out of my own curiosity some use cases that you're like this is definitely an Odoo use case? Hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's very well suited for fulfillment and people that have warehouses. Um, CRM, it's a CRM. Who uses a CRM? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of outdated, the whole concept of a CRM. I don't know if everybody's going to sit there and plug in every single little task they do every little day. Um, but uh, some folks do, I guess. Um, but they have a lot of, uh, nice things. They have a nice little, um, uh, marketing automation system. You know, they have blogs, they have all the stuff that, you know, businesses need, uh, to run. Uh, they have a pretty good point of sale system. Um, they have pretty decent, um, e-commerce, uh, component, but most folks will go out and use some, but something else. And then, uh, you know, attached to it. The problem, another, another issue with, with Odoo is it's hard to talk to it. Like they use, um, RPC. Um, and there are some, some rest, uh, APIs for it, but it's very difficult to kind of tap into it. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's kind of hard that way. Um, so now I see we're getting close to the end of time. Maybe there's one more question that somebody out there wants to ask, but, uh, before that, I'd love to hear from you this just kind of phrasing in a, in a short summary, this idea of globally distributed business applications that we came here to mm-hmm. talk about and, yeah. and what you feel about that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess we should address the, uh, the topic that we, we chose at the beginning. Um, I think it's it boils down to data, uh, and uh, and what you can do with it. And you know, IBM has tackled has had this problem for years. I mean, they've addressed this with their um, uh, Sysplex, or what it is, but they scale DB two, and um, the system Sysplexes, I think they call them. But they're very it's very complicated, and it's really really proprietary to IBM. Um, but they have address that spanner kind of kind of thing already. And um, I think I think what it's going to have to be is somebody's going to have to fill the gap with, uh, you know, a, a, an open source or a, a more accessible spanner 
to really make this happen. Um, I think in the short term, people are just going to go go on trying to shoehorn data into Kubernetes, whichever way they can. Mm. And um, I think, to tell you the truth, I think it could be a limiting factor to the uh, the, the mass adoption of the cloud for mm. every business. Um, because the data is, you know, the way it's set up on Kubernetes right now is, is a bit of a, as I say, a bit of a black art to get it, get it to go right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it all boils down to data. I think that's really, uh, really what it is. And that is exactly why we're here, right? Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's, we're trying to solve that problem. Um, it's a tough nut to crack. Dis distributed building distributed systems is is hard, and uh, you know I think um, I think uh, we're getting close with Kubernetes. We're getting very close, but um, until we solve this data problem, I don't think uh, I don't think everybody's going to be jumping on board. You know, yeah. I think there's still a lot of testing, a lot of fiddling going along uh, around with Kubernetes. Tons of people are testing it out and trying it out. Um, I took the plunge and put it into production and, uh, it seems to be working. Okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Except for the data. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's, that's kind of the idea that it's like, Hey, let's, let's try and evolve this space. Hopefully if we talk about it enough, um, we, you know, like you say, we beat the drum enough and we try and get people interested in it. We can. Yeah. Uh, create change and or at least just bring a bit more awareness to what is going on and where it could be improved so yeah it it makes total sense now do you, i think this is this has been awesome unless anybody else has any other questions i w that was a perfect kind of ending Mm -hmm. uh, I will leave a link in the chat to the Slack group. Also, I'll send up if you're if you've registered, I'll send a follow up with this recording. So in case anyone wants to send this over to a friend and say, look at what we're talking about with data on Kubernetes, you can feel free to do that. I hope everyone enjoyed the chat. Thank you so much, Dave, for coming and I appreciate to us. it. You yeah, shared, thanks for having me on. Shared so much wisdom. And I will, uh, Conrad, let's chat about that machine learning, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So take care, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy. We'll see you later.